I had one of those keep your eyes up moments um, just this past week. I had uh, an unexpected surprise uh, as I had some meetings in Boulder, Colorado on uh, Thursday, Friday. I know it's rough, but uh, I had the opportunity, like Friday morning, uh, they actually planned a soul care day. So I hiked on a piece of property that my friend had purchased where they're building a soul care retreat center. Uh, They haven't even broken ground yet. Um, But I was looking, I was standing on this hillside with Boulder, Colorado in the distance down below uh, and the Flatiron Mountains like right in front of us, the foothills of the Rockies, you know. And it was just one of these moments where God just said, one, uh, I'm in charge. That's what he said. And I just felt the release of, I don't have to be in charge and in control. In fact, you know, God said, I am Lord of your life. I'm Lord of life. Uh, I'm Lord of the church, and I will supply all that is needed. Don't be afraid. <clears throat> you don't have to fear. Uh, I'm in charge. And then as I was just kind of in that moment, <laughs> just thinking of you all, thinking of where Christ Church is at, where Christ Church is going, where we're at as a campus, like I was just like, God, thank you. Like there is a lot of good stuff happening. And part of that answer is who is sitting right beside me, Charlie, which I know many of you were able to meet last week. Um, Charlie is stepping. He just finished his first full week officially on staff. And our joke always at Christ Church is, I'm so glad you came back. <laughs> so yeah, I know everything there is to know about everything at this point. Yeah. Yeah. If you want a fire hose to drink from, come on staff at, with Christ Church and you get the full, the full download. But man, how, how has it been? Like, what are you thinking about all this? It's, it's been so fun. I was, I was telling the staff earlier this week that one of the, one of the neat things about it is we've belonged to this church for a number of years. And so, um, well, not this specific campus, but um, we found this to be our, our home and our community for, for so many years already. And so uh, now walking through the halls on a Tuesday has, has not been normal until this week, uh, but it's been fun to see faces and engage with people that we already know well, that we, um, that we trust a lot, that we have a high admiration for. And so it's been really fun to be a part of that. And then uh, getting to engage with you all has, has been a a huge blessing, uh, whether it's been over coffee or at the food trucks on Wednesday night, uh, just a little bit of a taste of the goodness that is just getting to dive into the lives of and share life with people has been been so good for me. So amidst all of the uh, the information fire hose drinking, uh, there, there's been a beauty in, in just being with people that we, we care a lot about and that we feel loved by. Yeah, it's been awesome just seeing how fast you are acclimating and like I think part of it because you've been a part of Christ Church right this isn't like a brand new like how you have stepped in with our team and a lot of the meetings we've had like it's just I'm so encouraged and I wanted to share with you this morning Charlie's going to do most of our sharing when we kind of get to the message time and you're going to get a sense you're going to get to know him through his words but I just wanted the pause before we do that because uh, I've known Charlie and Allie for the last Golly, probably four years at least. Yeah. Um, and there have been a couple things along the journey that 
why I'm so excited about today. First was, I think it was about four years ago, you and Allie sat in our office over there. I alluded to this last week, but just to meet with Sue Ann and I with some questions like, uh, you know, what is it like for both of us to be in ministry together? You know, a husband and wife doing ministry, and is there any wisdom or things that you should, we should know or expect, and, you know, and it was a, it was a great time, and thankfully Sue Ann shared most of the wisdom uh, that we had, and uh, yeah, she's like, of course, you know, she's, uh, <laughs> but I just think, wow, a couple that's seeking that kind of wisdom that wants to do it right, right, that understands the depth and the weight of what it means to be in ministry in a leadership role like that and to want to do it well together like that marked me. The second is when Dan and I were talking about this transition, what God was doing with my own sense of call and and so forth months and months ago that uh, independently we each had thought of Charlie as who we saw perhaps God raising someone up and and we had scheduled a meeting, like we've got some mutual friends, you know, mentors and stuff yep. that you connect with. And I'm like, I've been wondering just how he's doing, what's going on. And so we met and Dan goes, don't tell him about any of this transition stuff. I'm like, all right. And so I just wanted to hear like what God was doing in your life. And, and uh, as we were meeting, like, like what just kept screaming out is that you are called to pastoral ministry. Like that is the call that God has put on your life. Um, and you were just kind of saying, I'm, I'm not sure how or where that's going to work out, but I know I'm called to this. And I'm like sitting on the edge of my seat, just wanting to say like, wow, guess what's happening? Uh, but I sent you over to Dan. I think you guys met the next week. I talked to Dan. And, but, you know, part of it was just us even testing the spirit, right? Just seeing like, what is God doing in this? And Dan, who was also a very discerning soul, just recognized it as well. And so that was cool. And then I think the last thing that really marked me is when you met with our staff maybe six, eight weeks ago, six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just kind of a little meet and greet. He was in the interviewing process. And I just said, we just said, Charlie, what would make this a win for you, <laughs> you know, or, or for the church? And I'll never forget what you said, and I wrote it down. He goes, that the people of this neighborhood and beyond would feel welcome, known, and loved by the great God of the universe. You remember saying that? I do now. You do. <laughs> right? And, and we just went on and like, it was like God just like smacked me and said, pay attention to that. Do you see a heart that's pointed outward? We talk about feeling welcome, known, and loved here. He was, he saw a neighborhood and beyond that people would feel welcome, known, and loved by God. And, and really a big part of our adventure ahead is us moving into this neighborhood, moving beyond the neighborhood just so people could encounter God, find hope find healing, you know, find community and belonging. Um, and so I was just kind of like, thank you, God, of how you are Lord of the church and how you continue to supply uh, and that you are in it. And yeah. so it's, uh, it's fun when it's a combination of, culmination of a lot of these things. And so we have a, I'm excited about where we're going to go as this is our last uh, week of summer lights, which are these open messages, and it couldn't have timed up any better that we would end with this. And yeah. I said, Charlie, I'd love to just give you space just to share with our congregation. And uh, and again, maybe this is the fourth thing that really impressed me. He goes, well, I don't really want it to be about me. Can we just center it on Scripture and share some thoughts? And I was like, oh, I love that. Um, and so would maybe just share a little bit about where we're going to go, and then I'm going to read some yeah. scripture and then give you opportunity to comment on it. Absolutely. I appreciate uh, all those kind words from 
from someone that, that Allie and I, with you and Sue Ann, have, have spent a long time uh, admiring and looking, looking to as people who are uh, a tad bit further along in, in the journey and, um, and, and, and getting to watch the, the wisdom and, and what comes from that, it, it, it means a lot. Uh, to me for those kind words watching you have, have led people well for a really long time. And so I, I appreciate that. And, and I, I can't say enough what a joy it is to be here with you all today. The, there's this uh, sort of indescribable deep welling up inside of me that, that it is just so, so excited um, to be with you all, to be here, to be a part of what's going on here in this journey. And as, as Eric and I were talking about what we wanted to share with you all, um, I, I was brought back to some of the things, uh, some of the work that's been most influential for me in my own faith journey and ministry, and it comes out of a, a group of, of pastors and professors out in California. They study a lot of youth, family, and culture. And one of the specific questions that in their, in their research and in their exploration of, of the Bible they are seeking to understand is, what is it, that, what is it that, that teenagers need to move from adolescence to adulthood? What, 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 are the, what are the factors that, that allow a teenager to go from being a teenager to an adult? Um, and, you know, there are teenagers in the room right now, and so uh, a little bit of a behind-the-scenes peek behind the curtain. Adults read a lot of books about trying to figure you out. Um, and so there you go. But, but one of the things that, that, that they were seeking to ask themselves and answer is, um, fundamentally, what are teenagers searching for? What do they need? And they came up with three things. They, they said that they're at, the, at their most core level, they're looking for identity, belonging, and purpose. They're asking the questions, who am I? Where do I belong? And, and can I actually make a difference in this world? And the funny thing happened as more people got their hands on this research and these findings from this group of pastors and professors out in California, they started to point to it and they're like, hold on a second. That, that sounds like me too. It, Maybe, maybe that's not just teenagers. Maybe, maybe that's me. Uh, and I, I know somebody who's, who's looking for those things. Um, and so they've started to discover whether 17 or 77, there's this kind of core inherent needs that we all have that's, who am I? Where do I belong? And do I actually matter? And, and then uh, they moved on saying like, oh my gosh, I think, I think this is all of us. I think we're all searching for this, regardless of our age. One of, the, one of the true things about this world is that you can almost, you can find answers to this in about a million different places, uh, from everywhere from our uh, social media, our family systems, cable news, gosh, the list goes on and on. There's a variety of places where we can seek to find answers to these questions, and none of these answers are necessarily inherently bad, but I think as Christians, I think it's our our prerogative to look to God and to say, uh, God, who do you say that we are? Where do you say that we belong? And what do you say about what kind of difference we can actually make? And so the, the excitement that I have, the joy that I have in, in sharing with you today is to just get to lean in a little bit more to these, these questions and what it means for us as a church body to try to figure out, gosh, who are we? Um, where do we belong? And can we actually make a difference? It's been so rich for me in these three scripture passages that we're going to explore to understand um, how they speak to these fundamental questions and these fundamental truths that we're trying to seek. And I hope it continues to be as rich as, uh, for you as it has been to, for me to just figure out how does God define us?
That's great. So what I want to do is I just, I'm going to tee it up with just the reading of Scripture. The first one is in Philippians chapter 1. And so you can turn there with me, verses 4 through 6. But just hear these words. And this is Paul writing. He says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out until completion, until the day of Christ. I love that verse. Yeah, Talk to us about it. So who does God say that we are? What's he have to say about our identity? I think there's so much here. This entire passage should be, could be the, the message in its totality today, but I want to spend a specific amount of time on verse 6, where Paul says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Gosh, what a tremendous promise. What a tremendous thing to have confidence in. And, and I think probably why this passage has been so influential um, and so meaningful to me recently is because if I'm honest, the last year or half or so has been a roller coaster for Allie and I, um, that there's, there's been a significant amount of, of heartbreak, of, of loss, of disappointment that, that we've experienced. And, and then take into that, uh, both for ourselves personally and for as we walk alongside some of our closest family and friends and, and, and watch them go through that as well. And, and add to that just the, the kind of chaotic and uh, broken world that we see around us so often. And if you're anything like me, you can easily find yourself looking to Jesus and saying, uh, are you sure about this good work? Are, are you sure it's happening? And, and, and I've certainly found myself in that place, and I've spent um, a, a decent amount of time with people that, that, are, that are pretty exhausted. They're mentally, emotionally, uh, or physically exhausted. Whether their um, stress or instability of their personal life just isn't bearable anymore, or the, the sense of loss or grief that they're feeling in their life is, is beyond overwhelming. The, the friction and some of their close relationships just keep weighing on them every day, every day, and sometimes it just feels like it's too much to handle, or the chaotic and broken world just keeps showing up on the TV screen, and it's hard to get away, and all of a sudden it just kind of crushes and overweighs us. And I imagine that if you're anything like me, you can exist in the midst of all of this, spend time looking at God saying, are you sure about this good work? Because it's really, really hard for me to see right now. Which is why I just keep coming back to this passage. The world may be broken, hard, and tumultuous. It may be difficult to exist in. But we have hope because we have Jesus. And, and isn't that the most incredible promise, the most incredible confidence that we can possibly have? We can exist in the midst of, of all of our struggle and our pain and our brokenness because we know that Jesus is doing a good work in us. And we can rest assured Paul was confident of this, and so we can be confident too. And, and I know it because, I, because Paul's confident of it, and I would like to think that I myself, yeah, great, Paul's confident of this in his writings to the Philippians, so I'll just borrow Paul's confidence, I'll be confident too. But the reality is that sometimes, sometimes it's one of those things where it's like, gosh, I, I have to realize, and I have to figure out, has this really been true in my own life? And so I'm true because of what the, or I believe it because of what the scripture says, but I also believe it because I've seen it happen in my own life. I've seen the good work. I, the, the good work was started when, when God raised me in a family that, that cared about him, 
God, continue this good work. Uh, as I walked into sixth grade orientation, met my now wife, Allie, and we discovered we had the same middle name. God, God which, is, is, which is Francis. <laughs> right. Wait, I wasn't going to add that part. Well, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm, I'm just listening yeah, along here. Yeah. So. Um, God, God continued this good work as I sat on a bench with fresh, after a freshman year of high school at a Young Life camp, looked over this beautiful lake property, and thought to myself, God, I, I want to do all this entire life with you. Everything that I am, you can have it. I want to do this adventure with you. God continued this good work when he was developing my, my character and my desire for him to a point where he's like, I want to go to college at a place where, where I don't know anybody and I don't know anything because I want to figure out what's life really like? Who am I really? If there's no preconceived notion of who I'm supposed to be there, if nobody knows what I'm supposed to be like, who will I actually be? God was continuing this good work um, when he continued to put mentors and people in my life around me exactly at the right time, exactly when I needed it, well before I even knew that I needed it. And he is continuing this good work as Allie and I sat around and prayed about what it would look like to be part of this, this Butterfield campus community. It's, this good work takes different forms in each of our lives. That's a little bit, just a small glimpse of the good work that I've seen him do in me. But, but regardless of what it looks like, that it's true of each of us. That, that it's true that even in the midst of the hard times, that, that who we are, our fundamental identity, is people that God is doing a good work in. The scripture's confident of that, and, and I'm confident of that. And I think, I'm not going to sing because uh, you're talented in singing, and, and I'm not necessarily. I'm uh, not talented in singing. <laughs> you're talented musically, at least, so. Uh, anyways, we, <laughs> I won't sing it for you, but one of my, one of my favorite song lyrics it's, it starts like this. It says, take a moment to remember who God is and who I am. There he goes, lifting my load again. Hmm. And I think, I think of that a lot when I think about the idea of remembering who God is oftentimes helps us remember who we are. And so if we start understanding who God is, then we'll start to understand who we are. And so this passage from Paul talks about how God is someone who's doing a good work in us. And that means we are people, therefore, that God is doing a good work in. The Christian faith is about both recognizing that God has started and is doing this good work in us and resting assured that the future is secure because God always finishes what he starts, that he'll continue on doing this good work. Even in the times where we look at it and we say, there's no way it's happening right now. I can't see it. There's no way this good work is still continuing. He's saying, no, 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 I'm still working talking about this good work, it's, it's not a call for us to disregard our feelings of sadness, despair, loneliness, heartache. Those things still exist. I think this passage instead points us to, to a greater truth that we can actually exist in the midst of these, knowing that, that we do have hope, that there's hope in the midst of a crazy last year and a half, that there's hope in the midst of a ton of loss and a ton of sadness and a ton of heartbreak. Commentator David Strain says it like this. He says, sometimes we don't know if we can keep going. Sometimes we feel like we're reaching the end of our rope. We're running out of steam. We've spent all our energy, and we are nowhere near the finish line. He continues on. He says, Paul says to us in this verse that if we're clinging to Jesus Christ, 
We don't have to keep ourselves to the end. No, we're kept to the end. We don't feel our own race. The fuel is supplied with every mile stretching before us. He, he finishes by saying, he that began a good work will complete it. Jesus Christ always finishes what he starts in our lives. My, my joy and my excitement of being here with you all this morning and being a part of this community is getting an upfront, close, personal seat to the good work that God is doing in this community this community of people and the good work that God is doing in you specifically. And I cannot wait to just continue to walk alongside each of you and experience that for yourself and for me. Yeah, those are such good words and just great truths, Charlie. Um, Paul finishes that kind of opening section in chapter one kind of as a response because of all what you just articulated so well. Paul says, this is my prayer for the church. And I would say maybe we should each receive these words as well. Paul says, he goes, I pray that your love may abound more and more through the knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, being connected to him, to the glory of God, to the glory and praise of God. I like that. I love that. And I think the more we lean into this kind of hope and this kind of truths and, and set our sights, you know, as Paul's also talking about all over the scriptures, like there's something good for us in that. Let me read you one other passage of scripture. The, the second point you had up there was around belonging. And this is actually, I put ranked this in some of my top verses as well and was hugely important for probably 15, 20 years of my ministry life, uh, calling the church to belonging and community. But this is Jesus is praying. It's the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. And Jesus pray these, prays these three prayers, but he ends with praying for all those who would believe in him later, meaning us. And this is what Jesus prays. He goes, my prayer is not for them alone, meaning his disciples, but my prayer is also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are, that we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me. I have loved them even as you have loved me. Yeah, I, 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 it's also one of my top verses, hence why we're talking about it today. Um, if, if God says that our identity is, is that we're people fundamentally who he's doing a good work in, um, then what does he say about where we belong? And, and, and I think verse 23 specifically helps us answer that question. When Jesus is praying, he says, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me. So where do we belong? Uh, Jesus is praying, and this is his prayer right before he, he, he goes to be crucified, right before the crucifixion. This is his final prayer. And he's, he's, the, the they that he's speaking of, so that they may be brought to complete unity. He's praying for future generations of believers. So he's with the believers at that time. And he's praying for all the people that are going to come who have listened to the good news of Jesus and are believing in him, that he's praying for us. Um, and he says, 
that they may be brought to complete unity. It tells us about where God says we belong. He, he goes on in verse 23 specifically to say, say we belong, we belong in this, this unified community. Um, we belong in this community that, that, that spans every type of boundary. Uh, he, he, he talks about a unified community that spans cultures and ethnic backgrounds, socioeconomic statuses, age, geographies, and so much more. He prays that we'll belong to this type of community, that this, that's where we belong, in unity with other people. Where we belong, he says, is, is with him and with a community that's one in its unity the same way that he and the Father are close. It's, it's that close in a community. That we don't just belong to, you know, a couple ancillary friends. We belong in a community that's, that's deep and rich and unified in a way that he and the Father and their Trinitarian nature are unified. It's that type of, of belonging. And he says that this belonging and this unity is precisely how the world will get to know him. It's precisely how the world will know him. I was uh, in college, and admittedly, I was one of those people that somewhere between 7 and 17 seconds before the professor started lecturing, that's when I walked in the door to the, to the classroom. <laughs> and so there weren't very many seats up front, and so I found myself entering into many of my lecture halls and classrooms and sliding in to the side or the back chair or the back desk, which everyone was just readily available, which didn't really give me easy access to to whatever was going on in the PowerPoint presentation or on the board in front of me. And I remember uh, I would be back in the class squinting to try to figure out, what's the professor writing on the board? What's he saying right there? And, and one time I was home for over break, and I mentioned this to my parents, and, and their natural reaction was, well, have you, we should go to the eye doctor. It never occurred to me that we should go to the eye doctor if I couldn't see the board. So <laughs> we make it to the eye doctor, and would you know, I need glasses. Uh, we get in, and if you've ever been to the eye doctor, for those of you who have great eyes, congratulations. For those of you who need, <laughs> of us who need glasses, um, you, you look in this, in this vision machine, and you're looking at, at a card full of letters and lines and rows that's trying to see, and the doctor's saying, okay, can you read this line? Can you read this line? Can you read this line? And I'm saying, nope, 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 nope. It's all foggy. It's all blurry. It's all fuzzy. I can't really see exactly clearly what it's saying. And then, and then this miraculous thing happens. The doctor presses the switch in the vision machine, and it changes the lens through which I'm looking at the card, and all of a sudden, everything's clear. All of a sudden, I can see exactly every line, every letter, every row, exactly the way it was. And I think, I think that the glasses that the doctor prescribed me they helped me see clearly what was on the board. They helped me see, uh, eventually, when I put the glasses on, what the professor was writing. And, but I think Jesus' prayer for this, um, for us in John chapter 17, that he's saying that our unity with each other, our belonging to each other, that's the lens through which the rest of the world will get a really clear picture of him. That, that right now the world is kind of like me without glasses. That they have this kind of foggy, hazy, confused picture of who Jesus actually is. 
And Jesus' prayer, his final prayer, right before he goes to the cross for future generations of believers, is that when they have a sense of belonging with each other, when they foster a sense of belonging, when they are unified, that's the lens through which the world will get a really clear picture of me. That through that type of unity, the world will begin to discover, oh, now we can see that's who Jesus is because there's people that are spending time with each other. There's people that are in community with each other that the world looks at and they says, I don't get it. Those people shouldn't be congregating together. That doesn't make sense to me. There's something, there's something that draws them in that says, oh, now we have a lens into who Jesus really is. Jesus says that we, the church, when we, the church, are brought to complete unity, when we create this sense of belonging for ourselves and for others that starts with a relationship with him, that the world will know without a doubt the truth of who he is. The beauty of following Christ is that he firmly says we have a place to belong. We have a, a vertical relationship with him, a place to belong with him first and foremost, but also that we have a place to belong with each other. And then it's a belonging and a unity that spans cultures that spans ages that spans demographics in every single way so that the world will get a clear picture of who Jesus truly is I can't wait to continue to pursue this vision of Jesus this prayer of Jesus alongside of you for this this Butterfield campus Christ Church as a whole the entire American church and the global church and I hope that we get excited about leaning into this vision of how God defines our belonging yeah, that's, you know, one of the things that's always blown my mind with this passage, that if you read it closely, what Jesus is inviting is that we would experience a oneness and a unity with him and with one another, like what he experienced is essentially in the Trinity. And sometimes we have this picture that, okay, there's, there's Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit and, you know, God is love and they just love each other perfectly and we're over here and so we have to try to model that. And that's the wrong premise because, you see, we've been brought into the life of Jesus. We have been brought into that dynamic. And so do we work at it and do we try to grow that kind of unity with one another and do the hard stuff and, and extend grace? Yeah, but the reality is that we cannot not do that because the reality is that's where we're living every single day with one another. And that, for me, that flips the switch that says, oh, there's a different kind of power now bringing us together. So I love that. Yeah. The, the third passage you gave us really is a passage of transition mm-hmm. in Paul's life. Mm-hmm. And when I read it, I'm like, wow, what an interesting passage to choose for your first message yeah. here at Butterfield. So let me just read this scripture and you can uh, unpack it for us. And, and Paul, this is again, Paul writing, he says, and now... Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. That's what he's stepping into here, I suppose. (laughs) However, I consider my life worth nothing. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. We were, it was September of 2016, so it was almost five years ago to the day, and, and um, we were living in Austin, Texas. Allie and I, we had just gotten married, and um, in, in what, what many people across the country would identify as, as young professional heaven. We were living in the corporate world. We lived downtown Austin, and if you've ever been to Austin, Texas, um, it's everything that a young professional 
could dream of in terms of, of lifestyle and enjoyment. And Allie had been leading Young Life for a number of years. She was a volunteer leader, and so she was mentoring and spending time with a group of girls, uh, a small group of girls in high school at one of the local high schools. And, and she's, she'd spent a number of years pouring into them. Uh, she's showing up at their events. She's mentoring them in small groups, taking them on camp trips, everything that she could possibly do. And these are, these are teenagers that didn't come from a church background and frankly had expressed their, their desire to, they have no interest in, in Jesus. And, but, but her hope was that, you know, building enough of a relationship that they can come to see the beauty and the magic and the joy of who Jesus is. And one, one Friday night, uh, she went to a football game to spend some time with them. And, and she found herself at the football game as she did on a variety of Friday nights as I sat home and talked to my friend on the phone or tried to find something random to watch on TV. And uh, she's at the football game with these girls. She comes to say hi, and it becomes so apparent so quickly to her that, that uh, from, from their breath that they're under the influence of drugs and alcohol, like immediately she could tell. And, and I remember sitting at home, not expecting her to be home for quite a while and later, and she, and she comes comes through the door just in tears, uh, just completely broken by the reality of, of four years into pouring into a relationship, how these girls, um, the lifestyle that they were still choosing. And, and, and it was so clear in that moment. Allie had, had so much clarity of, of kids, kids need more, and I have more to give. Um, that, that I've been, I've been, she's saying, I've been living this, this life of, of doing this professional uh, life from, from nine to five, and then every once in a while I give them my time. But the reality is this, is, this is where my heartbeat comes. This is what I yearn to do, and kids need more. That what I've been able to give has not been enough, but they need more because it breaks my heart that kids are stuck in a situation like the ones I just experienced at this football game that Allie was, was extremely confident that because of God's movement in her, that she could make a difference, so much so that we found ourselves two years later, I'm sorry, two months later, um, packing a U-Haul and moving it all the way up to Chicago. We both quit our jobs for her to join staff in Young Life in Chicagoland in a place called LaGrange, Illinois, that we had absolutely never heard of, had no idea what it was like. And, and so we followed her call all the way up to the suburbs of Chicago because she was committed and convinced that the Holy Spirit had something for her, that this is the task that I have before me. This is, this is the way that the Holy Spirit is stirring in me that I can make a difference. I think Paul is even more confident than Allie was in this, in this passage in, in Acts. He's, he's on his way from Greece to Jerusalem. Um, that, that he's on one of his missionary journeys and the Holy Spirit's telling him, like, Paul, you, you gotta get to Jerusalem. Uh, you're, you're, the task that is before you is sharing with as many people as possible in the right situations the good news of God's grace, who God is. We want more people to know that. So he's passing through and he has to go through Asia, which is where the church of Ephesus was. Earlier, before then, he'd spent about three years with the church of Ephesus. They'd become probably some of his closest friends, getting to know them. And he passes through. He doesn't even stop in Ephesus. He stops right next to Ephesus, sends for some of his good friends, some of the church elders in Ephesus, to come. And then he tells them this in, in this passage in Acts. 
He tells him this. He says, basically, I can't stay. I wish I could. It'd actually be more comfortable, and I'd enjoy it more if I could stay and spend more time with you. But the Holy Spirit, but Jesus has something more for me. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 I, I'm going to go do this instead. He says he needs me in Jerusalem. And so I have to get to Jerusalem, and I may never see you again, but I know that this is exactly what God's calling me to. This is exactly where I'm supposed to go, and I have the most confidence in the world that I can make a difference through the power of the Holy Spirit, that what I do, how I act, it does make a difference. He knew that through the Holy Spirit, the race he was running was worth it, and it actually made a difference. I'm, I'm honestly sitting in front of you today largely because of sitting with this passage over the last little while. That, that it's, it's firmly been, been my sense that, that God's call in my life is to help the people of this community, the people of church, to walk alongside each of you and help us to together experience the depth of God's love and grace and power and transformation in our lives and in this community's life. And I also firmly sense that God's call for this community, his call for this church, the, the task, as Paul says it, that he set out before us, is for, for us to deeply desire that for the neighborhood that, that exists outside of these four walls. That, that for our hearts to break and for the Holy Spirit's movement in us to stir that says, we so badly want this neighborhood to know who Jesus is. Um, we so badly want, him to, want the neighborhood to know the grace and the truth and the love that Jesus has and that's our task as a community. That's what God has for us. And so that might be the communal task, but I also think there's, he gives us a task and a purpose individually. That he says with, with the Holy Spirit's prompting, we can make a difference. And so I wonder what that is for you. And I'll close us with that. I, I wonder what the Holy Spirit has you tasked with. God defines us as people who can, through the Holy, power of the Holy Spirit, make a radical difference in our world. It's been the existence of the church for over two millennia. And all he's waiting for is for us to listen to his calling and to just say yes. To listen to his calling and to say yes, even if it takes us on a U-Haul away from Austin, Texas, all the way to the suburbs of Chicago. And I can't wait for how God is going to use the corporate, the communal task that he's given us and the individual tasks that he's given you all and how he moves through and within all of us. Yeah, I love that picture of going beyond these walls. And I don't know if you remember the big map, you know, the looking at the influence of where all of you, where you live, work, play, and worship, watching just ripples of impact, kingdom impact, because of who we are, how we belong to one another, and that we are called, that we are sent, that we are the church to this world. Charlie, I just want to thank you for opening the scriptures to us, but thank you for answering the call of God. Allie, thank you for answering the call that brought you here. You know, oftentimes we, we have to live life forward, but we only understand it looking back, and you start seeing now the string of how God has brought each of you to this time, to this place. And it would be our privilege just to close this message in this time with prayer. And so I've asked Charlie and Allie, maybe they could just step out into the middle of the room. And for those that are comfortable, uh, if you want to gather around as the tradition of the church, we want to lay hands on them. If you're more comfortable staying separate, you can just extend a hand.
toward them. And if you're joining us online, maybe you just extend your hand because we're one, we're connected, right? So would you join me down? And I've asked just a couple people to, to pray and then, but you can pray along in your own spirit as we gather around them. Um, but it would be our privilege just to pray a blessing over you and this new chapter of what God's doing. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for your grace and love and mercy you've poured into our lives and how you have crossed our paths first and foremost with you that we could be in knowledge and in relationship with the living God and then with one another. God, that we have the privilege of journeying with one another in who we are and how we belong and God, the mission you've given us. Lord, I pray a blessing over Charlie and Allie in this new chapter that begins for them. Lord, I pray that you would raise up healthy souls, that their, that prayer of Paul, that their knowledge, depth of knowledge and love would only expand and grow, and that God, from that place, he would lead, that they would lead, and that God, he would be a leader after your own heart, and God, that we, as Scott prayed, will we'll do our part to come alongside, to support uh, leadership, but God, that uh, we would link arms together as brothers and sisters in Christ, 
courageously pursuing you and one another and this world that you tell us you love. And so God, bless them, we pray. Protect their home. God, give him vision. Fuel him with the power of your spirit. God, we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Amen.